0: I'm Robin. (laughs) Judy was sick so she rang me this morning. Um, I'll be reading from John 11, 1 to 44 and rather than reading from ESV I'm sorry I'm reading from the NIV. So. So it's Once again, John 11, 1 to 44. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and his sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, A short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? Jesus Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus, Lazarus has fallen asleep but I am going there to wake him up his disciples replied Lord if he sleeps he will get better Jesus had been speaking of his death but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep so then he told them plainly Lazarus is dead and for your sake I am glad I was not there So that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. When the Jews had been with Mary in in the house um, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning everyone. Happy Easter and it's great to see you. Um, How good it is that that we can all gather together and sing um, as uh, as Josh was saying before. Uh, You know there's a a saying, perhaps you've heard it, there are two types of people in the world. Heard that saying before? Two types of people in the world. So for example, there are dog people (laughs) and there are Cat 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 people. So uh, give me a show of hands, kids included. Who is a dog person? You prefer dogs over cats. Sailor's hand couldn't get any higher there, so that's that's good. All right. Who is a cat person? Yes, you're my people. That's good. So here, uh, just up on the screen, if Raynard can get that for us, is a picture of our cat, Charlie. My wife, Skye, and I love him very much. We said to him this morning, you're going to be famous. Everyone's going to see you. So we're, we're a bit too smitten with our, our 14-year-old ragdoll boy. Uh, now, it was pretty much in our wedding vows uh, that uh, we would get a dog because Skye is very much a dog person, but you know, there's, there's several ways of dealing with a promise. One of them is distraction. It's working so far. <laughs> So there's one. You can be a dog person or you can be a cat person. There's another question you can do this with. Um, are you, so it's, it's Easter, right? Lots of chocolate going around. Are you a cherry ripe person? That is, you'll take the cherry ripe over anything else. Or are you an anything but cherry ripe person? So you could represent it like that cherry ripe, number one, give me that, versus just about anything else. So who's the cherry ripe person? Cherry ripe? A few of you? Yep. All right. And who'll take anything else but cherry ripe? Maybe even you hate Cherry Ripe. Okay. Now, some of you guys are passionate about that. That's understandable. Um, I am a Cherry Ripe person. So, of course, when I see a bowl of chocolates, what do you think I go for first? No. Not the Cherry Ripes. Go for anything else. Because everybody else will leave the Cherry Ripes. <laughs> and I've got my own personal stash at the end. Right? You've got to think. Strategy. Okay. Two types of people. Two types of people. (laughs) Right, so there's a couple of silly ones, bit of fun. Uh, But you can do this with with more serious things too, right? The things of life and and all of that. So it's Easter. It's Easter Sunday. There are two types of people when it comes to Easter. And maybe there's some gradation between these two different poles, but generally speaking, two types of people. So there are those on one hand who think that the Easter story about Jesus is probably about as real as the Easter bunny, okay? And maybe maybe elements of it are true. So, oh, maybe he's a real person. Maybe he truly did live. Maybe he truly did die on a cross. But this stuff about rising from the dead, this stuff about a stone being rolled away, this stuff about forgiving sin, ascending to heaven, ah, it all just sounds very mythical, So there's one type of person when it comes to Easter, and don't worry, I'm not getting you to put hands up for these ones. (laughs) There's one. Then there's another type of person who says, yeah, all of this stuff, the Easter story, all of it, as the Bible says, totally, completely, historically true. Okay, Two types of people in the world. Again, some gradation between, but generally speaking. Now, I can appreciate what it means to actually be in that first group, okay? to be in the group that says, I'm not so sure about this. Because uh, as Rob sometimes puts it, Pastor Rob, go down to Evoca Beach, take a walk, talk to someone random, or, or go stand in the car park, Wyoming Alley, talk to someone random, ask them, what do you think about all this Easter stuff? What are they going to say? Maybe get out of my face. <laughs> Maybe who are you? <laughs> but, but they might say something like, I just don't get it. Like, like, I don't get why Christians believe all this hokey-pokey sort of stuff uh, about a, a dude rising from the dead. I, I, don't, I don't understand it. I don't grip it. I don't get why it's so important to them. So I can appreciate that. Two types of people in the world, two to- totally different ways of looking at Easter because there's this one group that says, I don't get the big deal, and the other it says, I think it's the biggest deal of all. Maybe you saw that there were two types of people in the passage that we read, or that um, uh, not Judy read for us, that Robin read for us. (laughs) Sorry, Robin. So the passage actually centers on a death and a resurrection, you may have noticed, but not Jesus' death and resurrection. It's about a, a man named Lazarus, one of his friends. And the passage really is all about Uh, here's jesus he does this miracle of raising lazarus from the dead but how do people make sense of what he's doing how do people respond to to what he's doing and there's kind of those two types of responses those who go i just don't get it this doesn't make sense and then maybe maybe those that see an inkling of how this actually works who jesus actually is two different responses, two different types of people we see in this passage. That's why I've chosen it. And so this morning, I want us to see ourselves, as it were, like the characters in this passage. Does that make sense? So we're putting ourselves into their shoes, trying to, to look at Jesus, listen to Jesus, watch Jesus, and make sense of what he's doing with this miracle around Lazarus. And as we do that, it'll point us to the whole significance of Easter and maybe we'll see oh I get it a bit better now that's our goal I think that's actually a good one that all of us can join in on whether it's your first time at church you're at church every week or you, you come just for Easter and, and Christmas um, I think this is the sort of goal that that any of us can join in on so does that sound okay? Yeah. excellent let's dive in uh, first we'll pray so um, if you've got a Bible we're, we're going to, to John 11 but let's pray first Father God Uh, Thank you that you are here and that you speak through your word. We pray, Lord, show us what you need to, what you intend to show us as you speak this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So once again, if you have a Bible, uh, open up to John chapter 11. Um, If you don't have a Bible, I encourage you just to look on with someone nearby. Um, We're going to be looking at the words of the text. It's not just going to be me saying whatever I want. We're looking what's in the Bible Um, You can also download a Bible on your phone. Just go Google, search Bible, click it, download it, and find John 11. So, in John 11, right at the start, the story opens with bad news. There's an urgent message that arrives to Jesus and his disciples. It's from two women, um, sisters, Martha and Mary, who Jesus had met earlier on in his journey, okay? Okay. And Martha and Mary send this bad news message. It says this in verse 3. Lord, he whom you love is ill. So Martha and Mary, they have a brother whose name is Lazarus, and he is ill, he's sick. This is, of course, bad news. Why do you think they're sending this letter to Jesus? It's not a funeral announcement. Right, Because they've seen Jesus perform miracles. They've seen him open the eyes of the blind. They've seen him have paralytics begin to walk. So why are they sending this letter? Obviously, they hope that Jesus will come and heal Lazarus before he dies. That's why they send it. And so what does Jesus do? We'll jump down to verse 5. Verse 5 tells us that Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And then look at the, verse, the first word of verse 6. It's the word, so. He loved Mary, Martha and Lazarus. So, of course, he went to heal Lazarus, right? He loved them. No. No. Here's our first surprise of the passage. Here's the first little bit where maybe we wonder, which group am I in here? Am I getting what Jesus is doing or am I not getting it? Okay, let's try and figure it out, okay? So he says um, actually that, no, we're going to stay here. And what's the reason? Verse 4, he actually unpacks it for us. He explains to us the reason. Verse 4 says this, This illness does not lead to death, It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. All clear now? (laughs) Maybe not. A little bit cryptic. Firstly, because, you know, Lazarus' illness in the course of time does lead to death. So, got to figure that bit out. But also, hold on, what's this stuff about the glory of God and the Son of God being glorified? Well, if I was one of Jesus' disciples standing there, probably like you, I'd be scratching my head wondering what all this is. But here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying that this is bigger than just healing Lazarus. There's something bigger that he's intending to accomplish here. It has to do with the word glory. He's going to show the glory of God. And glory in the original biblical language, because you'll appreciate um, we have English translations here, but the Bible was originally written in Hebrew and Greek. So the original word for glory has this this sense of weightiness or substance to it, okay? So you see the word glory and you hear weightiness, substance. He's going to show the weightiness, the substance of God. He's going to show who God really is to the people who are looking on as a result of what will happen with Lazarus. Think of it a bit like this, you know, there are things that you know about me. If you've been at this church for quite a while, maybe you know quite a few things about me. If this is the first time you've met me, then at least you know that I love Cherry Ripes and I'm a cat person, okay? (laughs) But they're very surface level things, right? You wouldn't say that you know me just because you know those couple of things about me. Um, I'm more than Cherry Ripes and Charlie. (laughs) Um, But perhaps if where you got to know each other a bit better, I would choose to disclose more of myself to you, right? More of who I am at my core, the things that make me tick, um, the things that are, are good about me, um, the things that I want you to know about me deeply. And it's the same here. Jesus is saying that he chooses to stay back from healing Lazarus for that very purpose. As he chooses to stay back, it will put into motion a, a chain of events that somehow will show people more about God. It will show people more about who God really is, the substance of Him. So that people will look and they will say, that's what God is like. That's how He works. That's who He is. And often, you know, this is what God is like. He doesn't just give us immediately what we ask for or what we want. He actually wants to give us things in a way that help us to know Him better That's actually the purpose for which he created us this is eternal life says jesus that we would know god and the one that he has sent this is the purpose to know god better and on that point there are two types of people in the world those that understand that about god and those that don't and guess what having heard that we're all now over in this group if you if you now have heard that and you go oh that's how god works then great you now understand something better about God and how he works. What about his disciples, though? Because Jesus has his followers here. They're all around him. Do they get who God is and how he works? Well, let's find out. Jump down to verse 7. After two days of waiting, Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, Okay, let's go. Let's go down to Judea, down to Bethany where Lazarus is. I'll go now to see him. And what happens next is a series of misunderstandings, a series of things that the disciples just don't get about Jesus and what he's trying to do. Here's the first thing. The disciples don't get that Jesus is being directed by God, his Father, on a mission. He's on a mission, right? Because as soon as he says, time to go, I want you to picture the disciples, just picture them. Here's what they do. They wince. They wince. Some put their head in their hands. They groan. Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you in that place. And you're going there again? That's what they say. Do you see it in verse 8? So if you jump back to chapter 10, just the chapter earlier, you'll see that Jesus was in this place down in Judea, down in the south. And he was teaching. And some of the things he was teaching was that he was the son of God. And the Jews didn't like that. They were saying, blasphemy. You are making yourself equal with God. And so we're going to kill you. They pick up stones and they're about to throw them. Some are trying to arrest him. Some are trying to murder him. And Jesus and his disciples only just managed to escape. And then his disciples say, hold on a sec. You want us to go back to that place? Really? Where they're going to throw stones at us? Where they're seeking to kill you? Are you crazy? (laughs) Jesus says, yes, no, that's where we're going. And he tries to explain this to them so they get it using an illustration in verse 9. Are there not 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Do you get what he's saying? Hmm. <laughs> Let me try and explain. Maybe it's like this. You get home from work, you look at the calendar, and you realize, dang it, it's green bean day. <laughs> oh no. And you look out at the, the yard and it's all overgrown. You look at the path and you know those dandelion things, they found their way to poke up between all the concrete, how do you survive, right? And you just go, I've got to do something about this, because if I don't do something now, it'll be another two weeks, and if this all grows another two weeks, this is going to be Jumanji or something here, okay? So, so you look at your clock and you go, all right, I've just gotten home from work, it's 6 o'clock, sun's probably going to go down at, oh, I don't know, 7, 7.30. Okay, I've got an hour and a half. Get out the mower, get out the whippersnapper, go, 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 green bin done, shower, dinner, Etc. all right? Um, why can't you just do it at 10pm at night? (laughs) Neighbours will yell at you, right? You might trip over and hurt yourself and that's bad if there's a mower. Uh, You might run over the cat, that'd be the worst thing of all. At least for some of us. So you've only got this short window of time, this window of opportunity while there's daylight. Do you hear what Jesus is saying now? He says there are 12 hours in a day. Not 14, not 24. 12 hours of daylight in a day. One window of opportunity. He's saying, my father has sent me on a mission to this earth and there is only a short period of time for me to do the things that he has told me to do. And so far he has been out there preaching that he's the son of God. He's the Messiah who's come to the world. He's been healing to authenticate that claim. He's been doing all these things. And now is the time that his father is directing him to go to Lazarus. Not earlier, not later, now. In fact, this is really interesting. If you want to talk about 12 hours of day and and the urgency of Jesus' mission, this is the very last miracle that Jesus performs in John's gospel, right? This is like 12th hour. This is the sun is going down. Guys, we have to go now. Right? And again, there are two groups of people, those who understand this about Jesus, that he's, he's directed by his Father on a mission to save, and there's a limited window in which he does that, he obeys his Father step by step, and those who don't see that about Jesus. Here, the disciples don't yet quite see that. But perhaps this morning, with 2020 Vision of Hindsight, we can see that, can't we? We can see Jesus is on a mission directed by his Father. Now, as I said, the disciples still don't get it. And you can tell that because, you know, Jesus says in verse 11 that his mission is now to go and wake Lazarus up. What do the disciples say? Oh, well, let's just stay here then. What's the point? If he's just asleep, he'll wake up on his own. Oh, I still don't get it. So Jesus explains clearly, no, 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 no. He's dead. Lazarus is dead. And I'm going to go now and do something, verse 15, so that you may what? Believe. 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 Jesus, now at this opportune time, is going to go to Lazarus and do something that will show the glory of God, the substance, weightiness, who God is and, and what He's like, such that people will believe all right this is what jesus is trying to do he wants people to get it and that's not just true for his disciples but also for others on the scene when he actually arrives down in bethany come down to verse 17 jesus makes it down into judea without getting arrested praise god by this point lazarus has been in the tomb for four days four days okay now From where Jesus had been up in this region, uh, it's probably Bethany in the north, Batania is sometimes the word that's used, real place, right? And it comes down to Bethany near Jerusalem in the south. This is about 150 kilometers, 150 kilometers north to south. Kids, how far do you reckon you could walk in a day? So do you reckon, kids, that you put up your hand if you reckon you could walk with your parents, all the way over to Erin Affair from here in one day? Yeah, sailor? Good, good. All right, so that's about 15 kilometers, that's pretty good. Could you walk there and back again in one day? That's pretty good, nice. Yeah, no, You know, that's pretty good, good confidence because parents are maybe going like, I know how fast my kids walk, <laughs> not gonna happen. But, but you know, the average person can walk about 40 kilometers-ish in a day. Um, you can really push yourself if you're in a hurry but 40 kilometers-ish a day. So this is a four-day journey. All of that just to say, he is long in the tomb by the time Jesus and the disciples get down there, right? It's like Jesus is, is really making sure that he couldn't have been there on time. That's a bit fascinating, isn't it? So you can imagine why, as soon as he arrives, Martha, Lazarus' sister, who originally sent the message, she rushes out through the crowd of mourners. She pushes past the relos who are there to give their condolences. And she stands before Jesus and in verse 21 says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You can understand why she says that, can't you? It's like she's saying, well, hold on, you've healed the blind, you've made paralytics walk, you can heal those who are dying, so why didn't you come when you got the message? Why did you wait? You could have made it. Maybe if you'd gone really quick. If you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And some of us might have questions for God like this. Maybe we're a bit like Martha. We're in her shoes. You know, perhaps we know that God has the power to do anything, whether or not you're a Christian. Maybe you have this this sense of there is a maybe a, a God or a, something out there and it's powerful and whatever it can do things. But it, especially if you're a Christian, okay? It, you know, you know that God is omnipotent. He can do anything, and you know that He is absolutely caring and absolutely loving. All right. So, so why? did he let me get this chronic disease? Why didn't he let me keep that job? And now the bank account balance is going down and we're looking at selling the house. And Why did he let my son or my daughter get hit by that car? Right, and so maybe we can stand here with Martha in her shoes and go, I get that. Lord, where were you? And those questions particularly sting if we're grieving like Martha is at this time. She's grieving loss. But notice it's not all she says. Can you see that? In verse 22, she goes on. She said, you know, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. That's very interesting, isn't it? That's very interesting. Lazarus is dead. It might seem like Jesus has disappointed or failed her. But she's still saying, Jesus, I trust you. I know you can still do anything. And so Jesus says to her, Your brother will rise again. She thinks that he's being sentimental. You know, like at a funeral. Oh, you'll see him again one day in the clouds with the wings. Something like that. And so she says, yeah, I know, I know. I know I'll see him when everyone is raised to life on the last day. I know. But that's not what Jesus means. Because then he gives the most important words to grasp of this entire account. I'm going to put them on the screen. And they're going to stay on the screen for the rest of the sermon. Okay? Because Martha still doesn't quite see. She still doesn't quite get it. And this is the way that Jesus explains the whole thing to her. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And maybe Martha looks back at her brother's tomb as she hears those words. Just picture it. She looks back at the tomb. He's very much dead. He's dead. Why is he dead? But Jesus says, whoever believes in him, though he die, yet shall he live. Her brother is dead. So how can that be true? She still doesn't quite get it. But even so, she sees Jesus staring at her and then he asks, do you believe this? Her brother is four days dead. Do you believe this? It still doesn't quite all make sense yet. Do you believe this? And then she says, verse 27, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. You see, there are two types of people. Those that look at their life circumstances or the brokenness around them and conclude... Oh, this is evidence that God doesn't exist. Or this is evidence that God has abandoned me. And on the other hand, there are those who say, I don't have all the pieces together yet. Maybe I'm still in the midst of grief and pain. Maybe there are some things that aren't making sense to me. But here are the things I know to be true about Jesus. Do you notice how Martha does that? She doesn't say, you know, yes, Lord, I know that you're about to raise my brother from the dead. He does, she, she, she doesn't know that. She says, yes, Lord, I believe that you, and then says things about him. Right? He's this second kind of person. It's, they hold on to what's true about Jesus. Right? So Martha says he's the Christ. That is God's chosen one, unique in his plan of salvation. She says that he's the son of God which in the first century basically means saviour. He's the, the one chosen to save. And he's the one coming into the world. That is, he's, he's sort of God in flesh, as we know in hindsight. You know, not a distant, far away God who doesn't care, but one who has come near. She says these things. Jesus, I know that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. And in that moment, do you see what she's grasping? She is grasping something of the glory and the substance of God. She is grasping something of who God really is and how how he works. She might not be able to fully wrap her head around all that this means for her brother's death, but she grasps something of Jesus and his character. And that's why she can say, I believe. This is critical to understand about the way that God works. Two kinds of people. Those who let their circumstances be the loudest voice in their life. And on the other hand, those who let the truth about who Jesus is speak louder than their circumstances. Which one are you? Now, there are other people in this scene as well. And I wonder if you see yourself in any of them. So come down with me to verse 32. Remember, Martha has a sister, Mary. And when she finds Jesus, she says the same thing that Martha did, right? Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But here's the difference. She doesn't go on to say the extra bit that Martha said about, but I know that you can do anything. Instead, her grief-stricken words just hang there in the air. Maybe she just can't get there yet. She is so strict by her grief. And what does Jesus do? What does Jesus do? That's right. Jesus actually comes and weeps with her. I want you to just, just pull back into this point, pull back into this. Mary has come to him in grief. He doesn't say, You of little faith. He doesn't say, snap out of it. He sits down and weeps with her. Jesus wept. Then there's another response. There are some Jewish funeral attendees. Verse 36. They see Jesus weeping and they say, oh, see how he loved Lazarus. What are they seeing in Jesus? They're just seeing a man who lost his friend and is sad about it. So they don't see the bigger picture at all. Right, they're they're in that first category of people that don't get any of this. They're very far away, actually, from getting any of this. Others in verse 37 make this sort of accusation of Jesus. Hey, if he could heal the blind, couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Right, they don't get it either. It's like they're saying, you know, wasn't he powerful enough? Didn't he care enough? And Jesus, he sees all these different responses, okay? So Martha, Mary, the Jews, all these different ones... Grief, doubt, naivety, accusation. And verse 33 tells us, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Do you see that there? And again, in the original language, deeply moved means something. We might might get an image when we hear deeply moved. We might get like, oh, something like that, like just compassion or something. But actually there's something different going on here. In the original language, this word deeply moved evokes the sense of a horse blowing out through its nostrils in anger. And I'm not going to (laughs) demonstrate. Would not go well for everything that's here and here. So uh, just get that picture, though. Jesus is deeply troubled by all this stuff. That's not just, oh, that's like, or something, right? What's he troubled by? Well, we have to speculate a little, but certainly partly of it is, is you know, the reality of death here, the, the death of his friend, certainly. Um, maybe even deeper than that is the, the fact that sin has caused death to enter into the world. Here is this thing that should not be, because of the way people have turned against God, deeply moved, frustrated, but perhaps also... He's troubled by the fact that very few people in this scene are actually getting what's going on. Very few people here are actually seeing who he is and who God is. And he wants them to see the bigger picture going on behind this. He wants them to believe and have life, like he said to Martha. And so, verse 38, deeply moved again, right? Charged with that kind of frustrated, oh this should not be this way. Like a horse blowing out its nostrils, deeply moved again, Jesus marches over to the tomb and he tells Martha to move the stone out of the way. What would you say if you were Martha? Here's what Martha says, yeah, but Lord it's, it, it's been four days, there's going to be a stench. Right, it's just practical, he's been dead. I'd I don't want to see that. Right? So She still doesn't quite get it, does she? Which is why Jesus then says in verse 40, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? Hey, this is the moment when you can get it. If you believe, do you believe? And that's when Martha takes a step. She, along with others, move the stone. And imagine the silence that follows as they all stare into the darkness, their eyes beginning to adjust, and they hear behind them Jesus praying to God. He says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. He's praying, but not for himself, He's praying for those listening. He's praying for those looking into that grave at that very moment. He's praying that they would believe and get it and see the glory of God. And at that very moment, verse 43, he cries out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the scriptures tell us that the man who had died came out, still bound in linen strips from his grave clothes. There he is. Jesus says, unbind him and let him go. And that's it. That's the end of the story. Hold on. What what was Martha thinking? What was Mary thinking? What were the the Jewish mourners looking on who didn't quite get it? What were they thinking? Did they get it? Did they come to understand? It doesn't tell us. I think there's a reason we don't get their immediate response. It's because this whole story, this whole account, as amazing as this miracle is, it's actually just a signpost to something else. It's actually pointing us elsewhere. Jesus raised the man from the dead. Yes, that's incredible. I can't do that. Neither can you. Sorry if that's news to you. But it's only a signpost pointing to something even more incredible. Something more about the glory of God. And remember Jesus' words from before. These ones. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. That is not just Jesus saying, I give resurrection and life. Hear the difference there? It's not just, I give resurrection and life. He's saying... I am the resurrection and the life. Which is exactly what we celebrate this morning on Easter Sunday, isn't it? That he is the resurrection and the life. Just like Martha, we can celebrate the things that are true about Jesus, that he's the Son of God, the Christ, who's come into the world. And we, we know it's not just because he raised one bloke from the dead 2,000 years ago that all of this is a big deal. It's actually because he himself rose from the dead. Think about it this way. Jesus really lived, right? He really walked this earth as a real flesh and blood man. And he always obeyed God, his father, like we've seen, always directed by God on this mission, always obeyed. And then he really died, crucified on a cross, though he was innocent. And he was placed in a tomb, just like Lazarus with a big stone. In fact, even more, there were guards in front of it. And he lay dead for some days. But then on the third day, some women, some women just like Mary and Martha, come to the tomb and what do they find? The guards are gone, the stone is rolled, it's empty. And an angel tells them that Jesus is risen. He is the risen Lord. And in the course of the next few days, more people see him in this raised state. There are his disciples who had all scattered in disbelief. They thought it was all over. But they see the risen Lord Jesus. They touch the wounds where he'd been crucified. They recognize him. The scriptures say as well, in in this very early creedal statement, probably from the, the 30s or 40s AD, In 1 Corinthians 15, that 500 people at the same time saw Jesus raised from the dead. This is the risen Lord Jesus. He is the resurrection and the life. And here, raised to life, he shows us the glory of God. He shows us God. And he looks each of us in the eyes and says, just as he did to Martha, Do you believe this? There are two types of people in the world. Do you believe? The scriptures say that Jesus lived, died and rose again to save us. That was his mission. That because of our sin, our rejection of God, his right to rule our lives, we will all die. All of us. Every single one of us. It's the reason there's death in the world. Our rejection of God, the giver of life. We will all die and we will all face His judgment for our sin, our rejection of Him. And none of us will be able to come through that judgment on our own two feet. In fact, on our own two feet, we will be separated from God in that moment for eternity, separated from His presence to bless, separated from everything good. Now, I'm not just trying to do fear tactics here. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. But, Jesus lived, died, And rose again to save us, to save you and me. On the cross, he took the punishment we deserve because of our sin, our rebellion. He took it on himself. That's Good Friday. And then on the third day, he rose from the dead, proving he's a son of God, showing that all those who trust him will live forever, just as he says, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live We go from having to die in our sin and face God's judgment to getting to live with God forever as our Father. We go from spiritually dead people dead in the tomb to spiritually renewed and alive such that from that very point where we say, yes, I believe, God changes us completely inside out. And across a lifetime we begin to grow and we become more the people that that He saved and and created us to be. This is life, new life with Jesus. Just imagine the voice of Jesus calling you out of the grave like Lazarus. And there are two kinds of people. Two kinds of people. Those who get this, those who don't. I'm not just talking about comprehending it, you know, getting it. You can have a, a map on your phone that, you know, o- Apple Maps, Google Maps, whatever, open it up, go Paris, yep, great, I know where Paris is, right? But there's a difference between knowing and going, isn't there? To walk the streets of Paris, to taste the cuisine of Rome, to see the Lord of the Rings props in <laughs> New Zealand, I don't know, right? There's, there's a difference between knowing where something is and going. You, you see what I'm saying, though? You see what I'm saying? It's one thing to believe that certain things are true about Jesus, propositionally true. It's entirely another to believe in him, to trust in him as Martha did and to experience the new life that actually offering. Do you really honestly believe these things about Jesus, that he is the resurrection and the life? Do you have the experience now of having been raised to new spiritual life? both now and forever. Because if you have, it's life-changing. And I know this, because I was once the first kind of person. right? I was once the one who didn't get it. I wasn't raised a Christian. I was raised in a a non-Christian household, loving household, get along very well with my parents and my brother, but non-Christian. They they didn't want me to know Jesus. But um, in the course of time, I, I heard some of the things that you've heard this morning. Um, and uh, and I thought about them and I saw sin in my life, a rejection of God in my life and I realised I needed Jesus, that only he and his work on the cross could actually save me. And so, look, at the time I didn't know much. You know, I was an early teenager. Um, I didn't have a lot of answers. Didn't have a lot of knowledge of the Bible. But I knew a few things to be true about Jesus and I chose to trust him. And from that moment, I walked out of the grave into new spiritual life, eternal life. I'm so glad I did. Not, not because I'm smart and clever and I figured it out, but God opened my eyes, right? He did it. And I'm so glad that he did that. I, honestly, I'm so glad. It, it hasn't made life easy. In fact, quite the opposite in some ways. Uh, some of you, just a few of you, know that, that this last year for me has been an incredibly difficult year. A very faith-challenging year. But I am so glad that I have Jesus. I am so, so glad that he has given me new life. I'm glad that he's called me out of the grave to find friendship and a home with him forever. And maybe you're the same as me. If so, what a day to celebrate. How good is that? Here we are, Easter Sunday, celebrating Jesus. But perhaps... There is someone here who's thinking, look, I wish I could believe. I wish I could get these things. And maybe even, Dan, as you've explained it through, yes, I can follow and comprehend, and I think I get it. I'm like, I'm moving like this, and yep, okay. But I just don't think I could step over the line and actually believe. I've actually talked to, to lots and lots of people in that position, lots. And here's the question that I always ask. What's stopping you? It's not a rhetorical question. Like, sincerely, what's stopping you? Maybe, like the people in today's passage, you're concerned because you don't quite have all the pieces together yet. There's still things in your life that aren't sorted out. There's still things that you need to understand about Jesus, about God. But what if you took Jesus at his word, from what you understand even this morning, So that now as he looks at you and says, do you believe, you can actually say yes and walk out of that grave. That could happen for you. Think about what that could be like, to know that you're right with God because Jesus has dealt with your sin at the cross. To know that you've been raised to new life together with Jesus here today. To know that your eternal future is secure because the risen Lord Jesus holds it securely in his hand right from this very moment where you choose to believe in and trust in Jesus as your saviour. Now, that could be true for you this morning. And don't worry, not going to do like an altar call or everyone close your eyes and put up a hand. We don't, we're not doing that. I just want to put that to you. And if you are that person please don't leave today without sharing that with someone. Talk to someone. Say, I think that I do want to believe in Jesus. Can you help me work out what that means? Talk to someone here that you trust. If you don't know anyone, come and talk with me. My wife, Sky, down the front here. Um, We would love to help you understand what that means. And for those of us who already have that life in Jesus, then praise God. Again, what a day to celebrate. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to keep celebrating today. To see the glory of Jesus and praise Him as our risen Lord, which is exactly what we'll do now as we sing. So, uh, Ross, if you want to come up, I've asked Ross just to pray for us as we conclude our time in the Bible, and then we're going to sing.
2: Thanks for that message, Dan. Let's uh, pray together. Oh, Lord, we thank You... For the richness of your word, as Dan has preached this morning, we come before you with joy and with celebration that you are the resurrection and the life. And because of your resurrection, we can live as hope-filled children of God rather than as a people enslaved by sin and fearing death. Because of your resurrection, when we repent, believe and put our trust in you, we're no longer slaves to our sin, we're now wrapped in your righteousness and we thank you for that this morning because of your resurrection you reign as king of kings and lord of lords all evil dominions and wickedness now stand defeated and will one day the victory of sin and death will be fully realized in your second coming hallelujah you died for our sins and rose for our justification how marvelous what joy and hope fill our hearts we are forgiven we are beloved and we are yours. In light of this living hope and this compelling love, this measureless grace and the internal inheritance, free us for spending the rest of our days living and loving to your glory, Jesus.